Cincinnati jersey All on the block, we get it in I'm in my Cincinnati Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Oh, you already know. You already know it's a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat basketball fan. Hummer, the Bearcats pulled off their second road win of the season. A mammoth, a monumental a very impressive and quite unique victory over the Temple Owls, 89-82. That's right. The Cincinnati Bearcats won a road game in which they scored 89 points. Hummer, you were at the game. How are you feeling? How was how was being at a Temple game as a Bearcat fan? You had a wonderful seats, front row, practically right behind the, be- the Bearcats bench. What'd you see? Well, first thing I noticed, Temple tickets are incredibly cheap. For that grade of a seat, it was only $40. And I'm pretty sure the reason why it's $40 is because the entire city of Philadelphia, and I'm going to use the way, I'm going to talk like a Philadelphian here for a second. They could give two about Temple basketball. Like their the the arena is empty. The arena's kind of I've always thought this it's lackluster to begin with, even though it's kind of that newer style, smaller, more intimate setting. Uh, it's it's definitely not a charming place by any means. Uh, the only thing that you know was there is that the the team itself seems to be good. But if you were to hear the the speak of the Philadelphians in the room, that is not the impression you would get. This team is. Sh- literally what you heard from people right behind the bench of easy, Temple. Easy, easy, easy. There's kids hey in guys, the car. Hey, guys, this is not suitable for work, all right? There's, if, if you have little ones, I'm just kidding. We're, that's, that's the end of the uh, the S-bombs. Uh, but don't don't get me wrong. There's going to be some F-bombs being dropped, dropped here, too. <laughs> well, you got to witness quite an impressive performance from the Bearcats, and I would say the person who really jumped off the page, primarily in the second half, Vintage OG Jaron Cumberland. We got an amazing performance from Jaron Cumberland. Uh, he, he served as the closer in every sense of the word, made 13 of 14 free throws, some remarkable, powerful drives to the hoop, knocked down a three, and, and obviously the passing, which has been just completely on point since conference play started, was impeccable. What did you, you see with Jaron Cumberland this week? I'm going to say you're half right. But the half that's right is completely everything that you just said. What you're not right about is this is not vintage OG Cumberland. This is a different Jaron Cumberland. Jaron Cumberland is on his way to new heights. If you bought the dip, if you remember us talking about this at the beginning of the season, I said Jaron Cumberland needs to be the point guard. Jaron Cumberland has become the point guard, and he is a different player in that role. Check the tape, Hummer. This is one of our big three questions. Who's going to play point guard for the Bearcats? They started with Chris McNeil. We went, then went to Micah Adams-Woods. Jaron Cumberland as point guard is working. It's, not, it's working so well that Jaron Cumberland is on a way, his way to an all-time new high, a 52-week high here, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. This is it. Right now, from the beginning of conference play to today, 
or prior to Temple, he was averaging 15 points a game. The last four games, he is scoring 18, 20. He did have one bad game in there, 22 points. But more importantly, his vision of the court is getting opportunity for other players to score. In that Temple game, that first half of the performance, what did you see? One point, but we still scored 40. So Jaron wasn't scoring yet. He was facilitating the offense in a way that was getting other people to score. Whether or not he was directly involved with the assist, he was the one getting the play and the motion going to get those final the, the ball to the bucket. But then the second half, he takes over. He's doing it all. He's, he's flat out, he's doing it all. I got to admit, you've got me feeling like a, a young, naive, fresh out of college, Jordan Belfort sitting at a nice cocktail table with a beautiful Matthew McConaughey at my side, telling me the ways of the world, teaching me how to become a master of the universe. You are, you are, you are on fire with what Jaron Cumberland's bringing right now. Oh, I'm loving it, and it's good to see him too. He seems like he's bringing a different swagger to the court too. You know, I know people were harping on him at the beginning of the season. I think we may have actually made a little mention of it, but said not to worry about it too much. Attitude or body language, if you would. You're not seeing any of that from him right now. He is walking. He's walking with a. He's a big swing. <laughs> <right now. laughs> Look, Sorry, guys. I know did. we're not normally this. We're not normally this crude, but uh, we're, I'm just excited. I'm excited about everything that I'm seeing right now. Well, early in the season, it was fair to question what was going on. He got benched for a coach's decision. There was some, you know, he didn't look explosive. He didn't have his normal swagger on the court. It's completely black, completely back. And there is just no doubt. There was really never a doubt in our minds that we would get to this point. Um, but he's, I mean, he's, he's taking over and dominating these games for us. His offensive rating is completely off the charts in conference play. And he's the reason that if you're a Bearcat fan, you're feeling good about him, his ability to carry us to the promised land. You know, making the tournament is a challenge at this point. But with Jaron Cumberland leading the charge, anything is possible. That's how it really feels at this point. Anything is possible. Hummer, before we jumped on the podcast, we also mentioned the scoring was incredibly balanced. You know, Jaron Cumberland did have a first half that was lackluster from a box score standpoint. But we did drop... 41 points in that first half. And I think you can also attribute that to attribute that to, to Jaron running an incredibly efficient offense, but Chris vote continued to do damage. He, he dominated the first half for the Bearcats. Yeah, he looked incredible. I mean, it's, you would be hard pressed to actually find someone who didn't play well this game. The only person who really sticks out in my mind would have been, you know, Jace roll, but playing three minutes, I don't really think that's a fair assessment on him. So really anybody who actually contributed to this game, I think it was really hard to find someone who was, who had, had a, had a bad game. And what's promising about that too, is this game in particular, Temple's a very good defensive team. We, we, we talked about that last week, but they probably played their best offensive game of the year too. They weren't missing shots. Oh, they continued punching the Bearcats in the mouth, body over and over again. It had the feeling of one of those games that every Bearcat fan has experienced over the years where we're defending well, we're contesting shots, we're forcing the team to take the shots that we want them to take, but they're just dropping every single every single shot's going in. Three-pointers. They started the game eight of nine from three-point land. Eight of nine. And they are, they are an abject disaster 
shooting the ball in the season. Historically, this turns into a game, a devastating loss for the Bearcats, a game that a game of what could have been. But in John, with John Brandon's team and the way he has us playing right now, we can win games in multiple ways. We can win defensive slugfests. We've seen games where we hold the opponent down. We did it against Tulsa. We beat Tulsa, a team that just smacked Memphis by 40. We beat them by more than 30 points on our defensive effort. So we can, we can perform on that level, but then when we need to, we're showing an ability now to be able to drop 80-plus points. We damn near scored 90 points in this game and beat Temple on their court when they scored over 80 points. Aaron McKee in his postgame was just shocked. You know, he, he basically straight up said, if, if you had told me that the Temple Owls were going to score more than 80 points, I'm feeling incredibly good about our prospects at winning the game, and that was not the case. Yeah, it's it was a lot of fun, and one of my other favorite parts too. And and I know we're we're I'm not sharing the, or spreading the wealth around this one, but Jaron Cumberland also went 13 of 14 from the line, and you know that is a huge, huge accomplishment. The mental fortitude it takes to be able to go that consistent. And not only that, that's what put the game away. Right. And and it, late late in the in the second half they started fouling they they go to what our our weakness has been all season. We are lucky enough that the ball is in Jaron Cumberland's hands and he just did not miss foul shots down late in the game. And I think that was a huge difference in making this pulling it away because really a seven point win in this game this game was a lot closer than that. This oh, game was a lot closer than than a seven yeah. point win. Leads it on to say this game went down to the final minute. Uh, Rose had a chance to tie the game uh, for, with a corner three. It was a great look, honestly. I think it would have made it eighty to eighty at the time, or maybe maybe seventy seven seventy seven. Either way, it, he didn't make the shot. And and basketball is like that. Sometimes it comes down to whether you make or miss a shot. They didn't in this case, and we capitalized and closed the game. But just a really impressive performance from the Bearcats. Uh, some other things that stood out to me that are worth mentioning. Javen Cumberland, another game when he's making three-pointers at the most opportune times. Since that Tulane game, a game where he shot two of 13 from three, we know what a disaster that game was. It seems like he couldn't make or knock down a three-point shot at the biggest moments. This is another game where he's proving me wrong, where he's able to step up and, and hit huge shot after huge shot in the second half, which really helped stem the tide and, and kind of spur the comeback for the Bearcats before Jaron Cumberland got going. I mean, look, we, we've used the term before, regression to the mean. You know, there has to be that. Javen Cumberland didn't just average 18 points a game last season by missing shots. So if you're looking at what his volume of work was last year, it should at some point translate. Same thing with Temple. We were expecting a regression to the mean. Luckily, we got it in that last shot. We finally saw them miss, miss a three-point attempt. But you got it. You got. You're at some point. You feel like you're gonna have to see that. But it also looks like we're running out a lineup that's built maybe more for getting Javen those open looks, where he can square up to the basket, let and really let it fly. Uh, another one that was interesting to me, and I, I'm saying this because just going back on Twitter and seeing a comment about it was Mamadou Diara hitting his uh, his only three point attempt. And I'm pretty sure everybody in the know who's a Bearcat fan, when he took that shot, probably collectively screamed, no, okay, okay, my dude, Mama do. Well, that was an interesting shot because it that took me back to Bearcat madness 
we're watching Bearcat Madness. Uh, you know, there's a five on five amongst Bearcats. He's in the lineup, obviously. And Mamadou, early in that game, early in that scrimmage, they ran a pick and roll or pick and pop. He pops to the th- three point line. They kick it back out to him, and he shoots it with without thinking. Swish. There was no hesitation. Took the three point shot, and I instantly thought, "Wow, is this going to be his game? Is he going to be a pick and pop center, a la Brooke Lopez on the Milwaukee Bucks?" And then ever since then, early in the season, especially, he struggled. He looked like a you know a deer deer in headlights again, and he and he wasn't able to be effective on the court. So clearly, that was maybe just the fluke of a scrimmage. Hey, he cut it loose from three. What kind of what comment on Twitter did you see? So Demar Johnson had made mention that he had talked to Mamadou about taking those shots. Basically, the way I read it as is not being afraid to take those when you're open because he's hitting them, I guess, in practice, apparently at a high enough clip that if I recall, he did not get pulled immediately for taking that shot. And Brandon is usually one if you're taking a shot that he doesn't like. I've noticed he he will be, I don't want to use the word quick, but rightfully so taking you out of the game. Because um, I know he's actually from post game comments or other comments we've heard him say he wants Trey Scott taking less threes. Well, he calls I, it the devil on his shoulder. Yeah, he did say that. I actually think Brandon has a little bit longer leash than we're used to for bad shots, which I like. You know, I you want your players going out there and playing with a with a sense of freedom that I can go out here try and make plays. If I make one mistake, it's not going to cost me my minutes on the court. Now. It doesn't come without accountability. Obviously, you can't just go out there and be reckless. But he does put a certain level of trust in his players to make plays, allow for some mistakes, but but allowing for creativity at the same time, which is going to make us better. And uh, yeah. Mam- Mama do Jack in a three. I don't, I'm not sure how frequently I want to see it, but if he's able to knock it down at a really high clip uh, in practice, you know, he's going to be out there for seven, eight minutes a game. If it's if it's open like it was in this game, let it let it fly, big man. Look, if it's open, in my mind, maybe I'm not speaking for Coach Brandon here, but in my mind, there's definitely a few guys who have a green light to shoot a three. I I think obvious the obvious ones, Keith Williams, Jaron Cumberland, Javen Cumberland, obviously. I'm going to give the green light. Well, I don't know if I'm giving Micah the green light as of right now. He, he's, been, he's missed a couple bad ones, but if he's wide open, he's taking it. If Zach oh. Harvey's on the court, he's wide open, he's taking it. If Chris McNeil is wide open on the court, you're not going to like this one, but take it. Same oh. thing. Mamadou, if you're hitting him in practice and you're wide open, you take that shot all day, every day. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. We've actually talked about it in past episodes that if the Bearcats, the way our offense operates, when the ball rotates to an open man with a good shot, if you're on the court, you've got to shoot it. Not shooting it is a detriment to the team. So... Uh, you know, it, it, things are kind of clicking on all cylinders right now. Ever since that Memphis game, there was a, there were some good signs in that second half. Uh, but conference play has just been extremely promising for the Bearcats. I noticed we turned the ball over nine times in the first half, but finished the game with only 12 turnovers. So in the second half, we really took care of the ball. The guy who led the Bearcats in field goal attempts in this game, Trey Scott. Trey Scott led the Bearcats in field goal attempts in a game where Jaron Cumberland finished it with 22 points, Chris Vogt with 18 points, and then Scott was our third leading scorer, finishing with 16 points. I don't think it's a recipe for long-term success to have Scott shooting more times than anybody else on the team, but it, it is a good sign 
that he's remaining aggressive. I still think his decision-making on offense is kind of the f- continues to be the fulcrum for kind of how we, how we do. You can see it game in, game out. Every, I really do picture the devil on his shoulder now when the ball comes to him open for three. You can see him thinking about it. I want to let it rip. And he did twice in this game. He made one of them. But you could tell he's not quite comfortable with what he's doing on offense at all times. Yeah, and I think that's especially true because in general, and call this crazy or, or what, but Trey Scott, I think his best shot, if we could probably see a heat map, is honestly a mid-range jumper. Yeah. He he tends to, he has a really good mid-range jump, but when he is off on that shot, man, is he off. <laughs> he it's it's ice cold. It's either he's hot, he's hot lava or he's ice cold when when he comes to that that mid range jumper. So I thought I thought a lot of what we saw in the Temple game too is he was actually a little closer to the hoop on a lot of those those attempts, the ones that went in. So he's almost to me almost more like a Chris Boat in terms of effectiveness. Is he needs to get closer to the rim and not Agreed. take as many of the like that's where I think the devil on his shoulder really needs to sit is when you're you know two steps in front of the arc take an extra two steps and, and drive and maybe even draw a foul in that case as someone tries to come up and, and stop you. Well, in his post game, Brandon said that teams just aren't guarding Trey Scott right now. And there's a reason for that. He's, he's the guy in our starting lineup and in our closing lineups that if anyone's going to be trying to beat you on the, on the Bearcats right now, you want it to be Trey Scott. You got to think our closing lineup right now is typically Jaron Cumberland, Javen Cumberland, Keith Williams, Chris Vote, and Trey Scott. Four of those guys have been incredibly effective on offense. And Jaron, Javen, Keith, any of those guys taking shots at this point, you're feeling pretty good about our prospects. And when the ball goes into Chris Vote, we know what he's going to do. He's converting 75% of the time. So without the t- other teams guarding Trey Scott, his, his job is basically move. Move around. Fill in the gaps. Find an open space where Jaron could find you for an easy dunk. Uh, catch and finish. And when you get the ball in the high post... Find it. Find a shooter. Find a cutter. You know, Trey Scott's not going to be the scorer in this game. I'm surprised at how many shots he took, but he does have a role to play that really does help our offense. Because when he's offensive rebounding, when he's moving, when he's catching and finishing, which still needs work, but when he's doing those things, the Bearcats, there's almost no stopping us on offense at this point. Jaron and Javen Cumberland, when those two are clicking, I feel like that's Cincinnati's version of, of like Splash Brothers. Those two have the ability to to mesh on the court really well. I, we're starting to see some alley oops from them. Every game, we're actually starting to see an attempt, and most of the time, successful alley hoop conversions from these two. Wait, wait, and that's, that's are you fun. talking about Javen and Jaron or Trey and Jaron? Trey and Jaron. Trey and Jaron. Gotcha. Yeah. Trey for- and Jaron, when they're meshing, they're they're able, to, and that goes the same for Javen too. When those two are meshing, yep. but. I think I think the, the relationship between Trey and Jaron is very important, especially when you hear the story that from Justin Williams yesterday talking about Trey kind of messing with Cumberland and tricking him into answering questions for the reporter, you know. And but then talking more about the story of them in the second half and Trey saying, "Jaron, you need to take this over. I got your back. You need to take this over." So it seems like there's a really strong. You know, for lack of better cheesy term, brotherhood there. Oh, where, the team is tight. I mean, the team. We, yeah, we had someone write us on Twitter. Our, our buddy Darren Russell. He wrote us uh, about the team just seeming like they're gelling at this point, and there's no doubt about that. It's a very close team. They always battle back. There's no quit. 
even through adversity. There was plenty of adversity in this game. There's been plenty of adversity through the season. And there's just no doubt at this point we're going to get the best effort and no quit from this team game in, game out. And as a fan of the Bearcats, that's that's really all you can ask for. Um, the last point I want to make about gameplay, Hummer, before I really get to story time with you, because you've got some great stories from this game. Uh, one thing I loved, and I'm sure every Bearcat fan noticed it, when we when we forced a missed shot against Temple, and in this game it was less often than usual, the way we're getting the ball in Jaron Cumberland's hands quickly and his confidence pushing the ball down court and finding a guy for an early shot in the shot clock is working. You know, Keith Williams got multiple layups in this game based on Jaron Cumberland pushing the ball, finding Trey Scott, who would find Keith Williams, or finding Keith Williams directly. He was finding Javen Cumberland open in the corner. They're finding open shots early in the shot clock. It's not a style that we've ever seen, you know, with Mick Cronin. We never were pushing the ball down court looking for easy opportunities uh, off misses. You know, this is not the Bearcat team that you're used to seeing, and and it's exciting, man. I mean, we're just... It's creating so many more easy buckets for this team, uh, points that we just historically would not have gotten because we weren't searching out those opportunities. This is easily the most talented team Brandon has ever coached. <laughs> Shout out and, to Ross. No, I say team. that I say that I say that facetiously, but no, I'm so Chris Vote had family in in the arena, and uh, it was his little cousins that were that were there. And uh, he came and gave him a little shout out. And uh, after the game, when he came up to him, he just walks up to his cousin and says, you like that dunk? That was for you. <laughs> <laughs> and he it. gives him high fives. And he's like three times, like each of them could stack up three times before they could reach him, Amazing. reach his hand. <laughs> well, we did mention you, you were sitting front, front row for this game. And with that came the ability to hang around after the game. I think you actually watched John Brannon's radio show with Terry and Dan firsthand. And, Amazingly enough, you had a chance to shake hands and introduce yourself to future Hall of Fame coach John Brandon. How was it, Hummer? Tell me about tell me about meeting John Brandon. First off, I'm happy to hear you call him future Hall of Fame coach. Guys, you you heard that. That's for Coomer you. is now officially subscribed. I don't care what he says after I'm done here. He's subscribed. That's he said you. it. It's over. It's done. No, in all, all seriousness, yeah, he was walking away after the post-game conference, and he's walking over someone, and I was, I was like, hey, hey, Coach Brandon, and he did not turn around. He just kept walking, shook hands with the, with the guy, and then he finally t- he turned back around, and uh, I saw him, and there's a security guard there, and I just kind of just walked past him right on the court <laughs> and walked up to him and started talking to him. Man, he is... After like so, if anybody hasn't read, I know this is the second time I've mentioned Justin Williams with with what he's written from the Athletic, but he wrote a really good piece on being John Brannon and kind of just like I guess putting himself in the mind of John Brannon, but really talking about the guy's intensity. Man, that guy just like watching him first, watching him on the sideline. Uh, if you guys could see me, it's like you know head down, eyes scrunched never relaxes a muscle in his face, just super intense, taking in everything that's going on when he talks to you. It's the same way. Somehow the guy has the ability to take two eyes and stare at both of your eyes, not just one. He doesn't move back, but just both your eyes at the same time. He is staring into your soul. 
I I I like to if if you if you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you are going to the bathroom and your wife walks in and she locks eyes with you, and she, you're just like, "What are you doing?" You know, they're they're literally just staring into your soul. He is a very intense individual. Uh, oh my God! And what kind of bathroom encounters are you having? <laughs> what kind of oh, you have? We, to have s- we have a small house, you know, and in the morning you're trying to get you're you're trying to do your morning business and your wife for some reason doesn't want to go upstairs and so she comes in and to get ready in the morning i'm like what are you doing you know but uh no he's he's a very intense intense person and just you can just see all the the cogs going through his mind as you're talking to him uh and it was it was funny because when I introduced myself, I said Ryan Hummer from Cincy Slang and Bearcat Basketball Podcast. He goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, I know you guys. <laughs> we made it." <laughs> you you didn't follow up with the uh, whether that's a good or a bad thing, uh, but no, I'm I'm glad you got a chance. Why would to we be- follow up with that? You can always look. It's Schrodinger's cat. You don't know whether it's good or bad until you open the box. Therefore, I can assume <laughs> that it's good. For sure. I'm glad you got to meet your Lord and Savior. Uh, not everyone gets to do that, and it was a special moment for you. I'm glad to see John Brandon took the time to to come meet the fans that are in other cities at road games. It's a good look for Mr. Brandon, and uh, he's certainly he's coaching. You know, he's coaching extremely well right now. I love watching him on the sidelines. I personally love his sideline demeanor. He pulls guys to the side, and it seems very collaborative. And he says it is, you know, he says he's asking Jaron Cumberland what he sees on the court. He tells him what, you know, the coach tells him what he's seeing and they're, they're figuring this thing out together. And it just seems to be a very, a very healthy dynamic right now between the team, the players and the coach. There was a point in the first half where it almost seemed that Brandon was on his way to getting his second technical as a head coach. What was happening? Um, was it, was it foul related or, or not call related? It was yeah, uh, no, a call being called. Oh wow! It was, I believe, it was a foul committed by Chris Vote, and he was, you know, basically kind of trying to argue the other side, and you could hear the the kind of. It wasn't like an official warning, but it was a very nice way of the ref saying "shut up." So Brandon says he doesn't curse at referees. Was that true? He did not curse. Impressive. Impressive. He did not curse. I think he was just trying to argue his point, and the refs, in a very nice way, said. All right, you can knock it off now. <laughs> Hummer, the Bearcats play their final game of the month of January against SMU. They're coming to Cincinnati, and there's actually some some uh, some confident words coming from their locker room. I actually uh, read that they're, they said SMU's going on the road at Memphis, at Cincinnati, back-to-back. Uh, they played Mem- uh, Memphis on Saturday, and a player in their locker room essentially insinuated it's, it's not that much of a challenge. It's no big deal. So we'll find out if, if SMU can put their money where their mouth is. They do realize they're not playing at... They play at Moody, the Moody's Coliseum. They realize that they're not playing there, right? They do realize this is at Fifth Third Arena. Yeah, Fifth Third Arena. And Fifth Third Arena is not like Temple's. I don't even know how to pronounce the, the La Chorus Center. I think that's how it's pronounced. Maybe maybe Bush, that. I don't really care. That's this... Or since, Fifth Third Arena is nothing like that place. Fifth Third Arena is going to be rocking. We can't assume anything at this point. Uh, we are one. We had a tough six-game stretch. In our opinion, it makes or breaks the season. And from an at-large standpoint, uh, 
SMU's up next. And then after that, we round out that trip. Houston coming to town at Wichita State, at UConn. Memphis comes to Cincinnati. So let's keep enjoying the ride. Bearcats are playing some incredibly impressive basketball, and it was this Temple game warranted a conversation. So it's a day later than maybe we usually intend, uh, but I'm glad we're able to get this out Yeah, there, I got Hummer. home late, guys. You know? Take it easy. Take it easy, everybody. And uh, appreciate everybody listening. Find us on Twitter at Cincy Slangin'. Uh, shoot us a five-star review uh, on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell your mom. Tell your dad. Tell your brother, sister, cousin. Tell everybody. Check out Cincy That's Slangin'. That's a good point, Coomer. Five-star reviews on, on, uh, on iTunes. Let's read our latest five-star review from iTunes. Let's do it. Let's do a five-star review of the week. We'll try and uh, shout out the folks who are actually paying us some, showing us some love on iTunes. So Bearcat Neil writes, great podcast. The interview with Lenny Stokes was great. Commenting that the Michigan State title in 2000 should have an asterisk is best thing I've ever heard on a podcast. Bearcat Neil, thank you. That is just yes, facts. Thank you. That's not a controversial opinion. It's not an opinion at all. It's a fact. Everybody, thank you for listening to the podcast. Harmer, let's keep it rolling against SMU next week. We've got a couple fun guests coming up on the podcast. Looking forward to sharing that with you. Thanks again for tuning in. Cheers.